This is Halftime Adjustments on WPXI Now. Good evening. Happy Wednesday. Getting over the hump with Dan Kovacevic from DKPittsburghSports.com. I'm Albie Oxenrider. Welcome to WPXI Now and Halftime Adjustments. Well, let's just say it, Dan. Halftime Adjustments starts with the Penguins' goal-tending situation. And I would just offer this. What we've seen up to this point is what we'll get unless something, of course, changes. But I believe that that's how things are. What you've seen in these first series of games is exactly their situation. Well, the Penguins had better hope that you're mistaken, LB. <laughs> I mean, that said, you know, including last night's 3-1 to loss to Washington, the, that's now the quarter pole of the season. I don't know how many people realize that. It's 56 games, 14, you know, do the math. Um, to some extent, you are what you are. And I would think that there are a lot of things that are alarming uh, to the Penguins about who they are through a quarter pole. Sidney Crosby has one even strength goal. That was an empty netter through 14 games. Evgeny Malkin, I don't even recognize. He's being outscored on his own team by Teddy Bluger. Um, Jason Zucker, I still don't know what they have in Kasperi Kapanen. You can just go right down the list. The, end, the, the defense is a little bit of a different boat because they've been banged up. But then you get to the very back, and that's got to be the foundation of any contending team. Uh, we've seen that over the years in Pittsburgh. Uh, we were blessed to see Marc-Andre Fleury here for a long time. Matt Murray came along and had the, the great entrance that he did. Uh, enough to, you know, enough to convince the, the Penguins, and I don't think anybody disputed this at the time, to let Flower go. And then Tristan Jari's handed, after a really good season, Albie, really good season, top 10 NHL goaltender last year across the board in all statistics, in which he looked confident. He, he battled to get his job, so you didn't wonder about him mentally. You know what I mean? Like, he entered training camp as a right, distant right. number three, and he he won the job and, and now you watch him and this isn't to suggest he's the reason they lost uh, last night. He isn't. And they got outshot 42 to 27. They got outplayed in every facet. But when you see his heels way in the back of the net and how passive he is right now, that's not the Jari from last season. It's just not, it's well, just not. And, and, and I will agree with you that, you know, it's still relatively early in the season, but it is a shortened season and everything gets amplified. And it, it seems as if Jari will make strides where he, he, he seems to be getting better. But th the very fact that they are 1A and 1B, and, and I, I think that everyone hoped they were reaching a point where they would get out of that and just have a one and a backup. Um, and, and I think the fact that they are 1A and 1B, and certainly not to suggest that, that, that many of these losses are, are Jari's fault, but uh, clearly it's different being the number one goalie. Um, you know, from a psyche standpoint, it's different when you're number one than what he did uh, last year, for instance. And, and you think, is that a possible explanation for what we're seeing? It's possible. It, it's possible. Um, I'm not sure that it would explain the technical aspects of it, why he's so far back in the net. Uh, I asked him about it last night after the game, about uh, any work that he'd have done of late with Mike Buckley, the goaltending coach, toward getting back to being as aggressive as he was last season. And 
he gave this stock answer about working hard. And, and that, I mean, that's kind of how he is. Um, that's not a knock. It's everybody has a different personality. Um, and, and there wasn't, you know, there, there's not much there. I, I mean, yes, he made some very good athletic saves last night. Um, yes, you can take encouragement if, from that if you choose. Mike Sullivan chose to do that. Um, but I'm watching his overall goaltending. Um, one of the benefits of being inside the arena is you don't have to watch what the TV cameras are showing you. You can just, you know what I mean? You just pick out a player or you pick out a facet and pay attention to it. And I did that all night with him. And well, I kept I'm, I'm, waiting. Go ahead. I, I and, and it is early in the season, and I, I don't want to amplify any of the things we're talking about here, but um, I'm looking at after the loss to Washington, 3-1 loss to Washington, you look at the mm -hmm. schedule. Um, they The Penguins have the Islanders, then the Islanders. Then they have the Caps and the Caps. And then they have the Islanders and the Islanders again. Um, and we're and not, it's not going to take long, LB, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, there aren't, there aren't a whole lot of cakewalks in the East division to no. begin with. And that, that's why when, when on the eve of this season from my hotel room in Philadelphia, the column that I wrote was all about Tristan Jari and how important he was going to be to the season. And I wrote it in a very positive sense because the last we'd seen of him, he was a top 10 goaltender in the NHL. And then he came in in, in, in the fourth game against Montreal, remember, in the playoffs and played really well uh, in, in the loss. So I thought, all right, look at the rest of this division. Who do you have as, as really good goaltenders? You have obviously two, the, the duo of Tuka Rask and Yaroslav Halak in Boston. You have a young, really impressive guy in Carter Hart in Philadelphia. And then, you know, <laughs> yeah, like, who is it? Do you, I, I don't believe in Semyon Varlamov on the island. Uh, I don't like any of Washington's goaltending right now including what they had last night believe it or not with the numbers I, I thought Vitek Vanacek is a is a, is a he's just a mess back there but this kid had a chance to be the top one of the top two or three goaltenders in the east division I said now here's your difference maker here's your difference maker and I didn't think it would go in the other direction I really didn't let me just throw something at you and I know this may not be uh, super popular right now among some people but there have been some national outlets. I think even NBC mentioned the possibility last weekend of, of Marc-Andre Fleury coming back to Pittsburgh. And, and this has been chatter among the fandom for a while. But real quickly, your thoughts on that. Salary cap. All right. <laughs> There's nowhere to put him. There just isn't. Also, he's been great for Vegas. I mean, he's, I don't know if people are paying attention to the Western team. He's been spectacular. And he's actually made three starts in a row now for the Golden Knights. Uh, they're not about to move him. So, no, forget it. Yeah, okay, that, fair enough. That was a quick salary cap. That's two words. That's quick. All right, uh, we'll be back to talk about free agency in the NFL and what the Steelers' priorities might be as halftime adjustments continues. Welcome back to Halftime Adjustments and... We're, we're starting to see signs of spring, and one of them is the start of the new year in the NFL and the start of free agency and all that good stuff. Uh, so, Dan, let's just throw it out there. Um, to quote Chuck Noll, their, their problems are many and they are great. Um, 
<laughs> this isn't 1969. Those those problems were way greater than these. But but what can you what can you point to as far as priorities for where the Steelers might uh, channel their efforts uh, priority wise in free agency? Well, I guess the best place to start would be quarterback, since Kevin Colbert uh, brought it up with uh, with with some reporters. Uh, including Dale Lawley from DK Pittsburgh Sports today, um, he wouldn't lock himself in. And now that's smart. Why would he, he say Ben Roethlisberger is absolutely going to be our quarterback in 2021 when there's a situation that remains unresolved between the quarterback and the team? Uh, they've made it clear, Art Rooney said it publicly, that they're not going to enter the season with Ben having a $41.25 million cap hit that would basically destroy the roster. Um, and they haven't worked it out yet. So Kevin found a way to tiptoe around it and say this and that. And, you know, Ben was good in the first half, not so good in the second half. Uh, he still got some good things left in him. Da, da, da. But let's not pretend that that won't be issue number one as far as, you know, whether it's free agency or the draft or any form of outside acquisition uh, quarterback will be everything in the event that something doesn't get worked out with Ben beyond that Albie I don't know about you but I'm not into this JJ Watt thing how about you no and I think that uh, as we discussed on the final word the other night uh, if his name were something other than JJ Watt <laughs> um, would anybody even be looking twice I think this is right. the intrigue of a good story more than anything else. I mean, would it be cool? Sure, it would. I mean, you see three brothers playing together, especially when one of them happens to be a multiple defensive player of the year. That's a pretty cool story. Uh, but I don't think it's realistic. And and I certainly don't think the Steelers are in a position, uh, getting back to your two words in the prior segment, salary cap. Yeah, salary even, cap, yeah. That, get no. into J.J. Watt. No, they're not. I mean, he'd be in a rotation with Cam Hayward and Stefan to it. And while that sounds nice and those guys are – getting a little bit older, especially Cam, um, you, you can't do that. I, I'd be looking around. When it comes to free agency, uh, I, I don't believe they're going to keep Juju Smith-Schuster. I could be wrong on that count. Um, that's, that's their call, obviously. Uh, but if they don't, then you're looking at needing to get some wide receiver depth. I, I believe in James Washington. I believe that he should be promoted up. Uh, as opposed to being replaced from the outside, um, you're probably looking at running back. You yeah, know, think about I, this. And, I mean, yeah, because the, here's the thing: you can you can say, "Well, let's get a draft pick." Draft picks are great for running backs, but you don't want to do it in the first round unless it's someone who's truly special, like a Saquon Barkley. Now, maybe Najee Harris is that. I mean, there's certainly enough compelling film on the guy. If you're convinced that he's another Derrick Henry then you go for it. I mean, because that is, that is something that you can hang your offense on. Um, but in that case, is he going to be around when you get to 24? I see free agency as being a much more likely route for solving the running back issue. And then we get to the big one, which is replacing Marquise Pouncey. Albie, you can't do that in the draft. Um, there aren't many Marquises out there, uh, meaning there aren't any, <laughs> okay? Someone who's just going to show up, and you, you and I remember it in Latrobe, and just 
boom, impress everybody the day he reports. Right, right. right. Uh, this is not a strong center class in the draft. You're going to have to address that through free agency or trade. Um, and I didn't even get into anything on the, on the defensive side of the ball, but they've got, it's not quite the Chuck Knoll level, but they've got problems. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, many and great. Uh, so I'm thinking running back simply because I think you could find a good serviceable running back, if not more in free agency, somebody that's ready immediately and can give them help where they so desperately need it immediately. Um, you know, wide receiver, there's some other options there. And, and I was talking with Chris Carter last week about uh, something that doesn't even involve free agency necessarily is looking to the tight end and making the tight end more of a more mm. of an offensive weapon, uh, which is another level of the options that they have with receiver. Uh, but, yeah, I agree with you on the on the center position. And I certainly agree that they have to do something that provides a, a viable option for them in the event that things don't work out with Ben Roethlisberger. But um, is there any anybody defensively that you would look at at free agency? Uh, I mean, all you want from the defense is for them to keep everybody they've got. I mean, that, that's the way I'm looking at free agency. Um, you know, they have their own free agents. They have Mike Hilton that they'd love to keep. They have Cam Sutton that they'd love to keep. And then groom uh, to, to be Joe Hayden's replacement. Um, you know, other than that, you know, you just want Devin Bush healthy. Would you want to see a potential successor at some point? Um, you know, if not very soon for Vince Williams at the other inside linebacker position? Sure. Would you want to see some younger guys be in the rotation uh, on the defensive line up front? Sure. But those are luxuries compared to the other things we've talked about. No question. All right. Well, that's coming up in March. And uh, something else that's coming on fast is baseball. Two words that we love. Pitchers, catchers. Sometimes you put an and in between. Uh, yeah, it's time for spring training. And we'll be talking about the Pirates and where they are right now when we come back on Halftime Adjustments. And our final longer segment concentrates on baseball and centers in on the Pirates. Pitchers and catchers report. That's always a fun thing to say, Dan, and a sure sign that one way or another, spring is on the way. That's an optimistic tone. It is. And I think you're going to see and hear and even feel some really positive vibes uh, from the Pirates, from their players, from their coaching staff, and from their front office in the days to come. Uh, I'm flying down Sunday night and, 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 and looking forward to it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a week of spring training down there. And it, I, I purposely picked the, the opening week so that I can get as much of a glimpse as I can of the prospects of who are all these players, these youngsters, and in some cases, teenagers that they acquired in these trades, what can they do? What kind of potential do they have? What kind of buzz is there around them? Legit buzz, you know, not manufactured stuff. Um, unfortunately, I think what's going to happen here, what's going to happen locally is everyone's just going to fixate on 2021, even though it could not be clearer from the pirates themselves that, look, we'd like to go out and win as many games as we can, no one's shooting for a World Series in 2021. No one's shooting for 500 in 2021. 
Okay. So any disparaging remarks that anybody makes about what they're going to do in 2021, you have to understand that even to them, it doesn't matter. They're looking at building up this young base. And when I'm talking, again, when I'm talking about young, sometimes when I say prospects, I have uh, readers come back and think I'm referring to Brian Hayes and Mitch Keller. No, 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 those guys are already in the major leagues. <laughs> those are the grizzled vets compared to these guys okay the prospects that they're acquiring are still a long ways from getting here Albie, and, and it's going to take time yeah i think uh, expectations uh, can be the worst enemy of anybody trying to build a winner and there are no expectations let's face it and even last season the shortened season and i know that the pirates weren't realistically in a position in retrospect to do anything to do any real damage but I remember having this conversation with you last year as they were uh, trying to figure out how they were going to do uh, their season. And because of the shortened season, we felt that maybe the Pirates would have a better chance than they normally would have had. So it wasn't that long ago that they were thinking bigger and better things. I agree that they're not thinking it this year. No way. About, no way. Yeah, I mean, last year was last year was different. In 2020, they had players who'd been in the major leagues for a while. And in most cases, especially the offensive guys, Brian Reynolds, Kevin Newman, they were coming off what had been really encouraging seasons. I mean, Brian Reynolds was a was a top five left fielder in all of baseball offensively in, in 2019. And then he just cratered. Same thing happened to Newman. Same thing happened to Josh Bell. Same thing happened to Adam Frazier. It was more than half of the lineup that just went like that. The pitching was supposed to be at least okay, you know, with Joe Musgrove, Trevor Williams, Chris Archer, a bunch of injuries happened and everything else. So 2020 is in its own category. Uh, 2021 at the Pittsburgh level. I'm lying to you if I tell you that I have any expectations of it like you're saying I, I i don't even think about them because i don't really think they matter uh, i'm going to be paying attention to these prospects i'm going to be looking at how they're doing at all the different levels and seeing hey maybe maybe there is something here because what ben charrington wants to create is this whole vibe where all through the minor league system you have this push of prospect versus prospect battling for uh you know, who's going to be the next guy to get promoted to Altoona or to Indianapolis and so forth. And that's a healthy thing. Uh, you have to kind of go way back for this sort of thing. The last time it, it, it really happened in the pirate system, but you're talking about the bonds, Benia group uh, from the late eighties that ended up becoming the three-time division champion that should have been a world series champion uh, for the pirates in the early nineties. That's the kind of system that you need to build up. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, because if you, uh, if you look at what's happening right now, and I know that you know, as well as I know, that there are many people who will whine and say, here we go again, and this is the same old stuff. Well, th this is what Ben Charrington was brought in to do. You needed to And it's it different. Down. It's not the same old thing. They haven't done this. Right. Everyone talking about these trades that they've made as if they do this every year. Correct. Neil Huntington was trading Garrett Cole for three uh, – semi-major leaguers to kind of protect himself you know what i mean because he'd have guys that he knew would at least make it to the majors like colin moran joe musgrove michael feliz came to you in a trade for garrett cole well what are you doing you have to get high-end guys who are far away and believe in their talent and build them up and develop them 
This is way different. Well, and it's also a way of, uh, let's face it, we talked about the Pirates minor league system. Uh, the cupboard was bare, and, and yep. you, need to start, you need to start stocking it up. And that's why I don't – the fact that there are no expectations is, in my mind, from, a, from an analysis standpoint, is perfectly fine because this is to be expected for what they're going through right now. That's it. I mean, if you, you, you know what? They're still going to have Gregory Polanco in right field. If you really want to remind yourself of what it's like to have somebody that's grossly overpaid and grossly underperforming, he's still going to be out there this year. And the Pirates hope like heck he catches fire so that somebody will take him and his $11 million salary off their hands. I just have to say this. Uh, we're getting wrapped up. But someday soon, you and I are going to talk about salary cap, something that you mentioned a few weeks ago on the final word and, and, and how it has to happen. I mean, it just for the sake of the sport, it has to happen at some point soon, we hope. All right. Back with our final thoughts right after this. Welcome back to our final moments here on Halftime Adjustments. And Dan, uh, officially, let's extend our condolences to you on the loss of your mother. Uh, we, we enjoyed your memories of her and, and, and some fine writing you did about your memories of her. Our condolences on her loss. Well, thank you. That, that, that's, that's appreciated. Uh, it's been uh, appreciated all week hearing from, um, from people who listened uh, to, to Vladka's Guns over the years. Uh, she was on the air locally for 40 years uh, on, on ethnic radio. She was a, a voice uh, to Serbian Americans and other Eastern Europeans uh, who immigrated into the region. Um, it's hard for me to put into words, uh, especially sounding all sad because it's my mom and everything, but to how much she meant to so many people. And these past few days have been overwhelming in that regard, Albie, and thank you. Nothing else to add to that. Well said, and uh, our thoughts, our prayers are with you. All right, thanks for joining us on Halftime Adjustments. Yeah, we're getting ready to talk baseball, and sometime soon, Dan and I will also talk about college basketball, entering a very interesting time of the season for that. We'll see you next time on Halftime Adjustments.